Hello, I'm Jess Phillips and welcome back to Yours Sincerely. Now, most of you might know I'm an MP in Birmingham, but what you might not know is that I've always been a prolific letter writer and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Carrie Ad Lloyd is a comedian, writer, actor and improviser. She created and hosts the multi-award winning podcast Griefcast, a podcast that examines the human experience of grief and death, but with comedians, so it's cheerier than it sounds. Carrie Ad lost her dad to pancreatic cancer in 1998 when she was just 15 years old. Her new book, You Are Not Alone, shares everything she's learned about grief and the psychology behind it. Today, I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. Good, let's, thank you. Let's talk like we haven't just been talking before yeah, yeah, this yeah. recording started. Uh, how are you? How are things? Uh, well, cold. I'm cold. cold. That's all I can think about. I'm cold and it's cold and I am cold. But apart from that, I'm fine. <laughs> apart from the cold. Yeah, it bothers me. I'm a cold person. so it bother, like My husband's got Reniers. Re- re- oh, Reniers. Yeah, rain, yeah. Like, and he uh, won't put the heating on with And that. he won't put the <laughs> heating on, my husband. Yeah, and so he has one glove. Oh, my goodness. Like wherever he sits, he, puts, he has one glove because... <laughs> Because he's ha- he says it doesn't How do you hurt. keep the romance alive <laughs> in your marriage? Well, I only let him touch me with that one glove now. <laughs> the warm hand. The warm glove hand. Put your hand. But it looks it. so disgusting when yeah. his hand goes blue. His it's fingers true. go literally I've white. I've two friends with it, yeah, who it's really, it's shocking when you see it, isn't it? Because you're like, what's wrong with your hand? It is like, like it's nice, he's yeah. in like Lazarus or something. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, but he just, he, you know, he just pops that one glove. He's fine. If anyone uh, listening has, you know, one glove that <laughs> is spare, because we often end up with just one glove, uh, yeah, yeah. feel free to donate them to the Tom Phillips One Glove Fund. <laughs> um, so this podcast is all about, you, you do one all about grief, don't you? I do, that's, yeah, that's yeah. That's nice. Thank you, yeah, yeah, grief cars. Yeah, where I talk to comedians and various people about their experiences of grief and death, and it is cheerier than it sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually think it's really cheerful to talk about death. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. It yeah. can be. Can I can't die yesterday, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, how old I've they? not felt much grief You know, right. Some people don't with the pets. Some people feel more than they do with people. Oh, yeah, I know. But oh. it's. I always say, grief is grief. However you feel is fine. If you don't feel it, great. If you do, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I just haven't been home yet to where that cat oh, lived. Yeah. Have you got another cat? Yes. You've got a backup cat. I've got, a backup, I've got a backup okay, cat, got a which backup is definitely cat. not how I'd feel about my children. No, no, um, it's okay. Some but, people don't feel like that about cats, but it's also okay to feel like that about but cats. But I feel like I am going to feel much sadder about it when I get home than yeah, I... Yeah, you will. It'll hit you when you see the little yeah. spot when they're not there, I'm sure. The cat hated me. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> that... Might sus- explain your grief, lack of grief. I suspect that the cat, who I really liked, was a misogynist oh. because he only liked the boys in my house. My husband says it's because you get out what you put in and I put in nothing. The patriarchy strikes everywhere. Everywhere. You know, cats he can used, be affected. He used to pick on the girl cat as well. Oh, well, so, no. Yeah, know? I mean... No. Hashtag cats too. No. Indeed. It's not OK. Um, but I, I am expecting to feel grief. It's sort of like on pause. Yeah, yeah. The grief yeah. that I'm going to feel about my cat. 
It's very common. That's a, it's called delayed grief. It's a technical oh, is it? term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It happens. Can happen with people, obviously more. Um, yes, more likely. Um, more likely. Yeah. But it's if you have to deal with something first. So if you don't go back home or if you have another parent to deal with who perhaps has, you know, a health problem you've got to deal with or you have kids that you've got to deal yeah. with, your grief can kind of just go to the side and just get kind of parked. And people feel really guilty about it. It's like, oh, I haven't done it. And it's like, no, it's just grief is actually very patient. And grief will be oh. like, don't worry, it's not the time. I'll just wait here for you. That's so, good of grief, isn't it? It's good of grief, yeah. But I think, Gets a terrible name, grief. <laughs> I know. <laughs> actually, guys, it's very understanding. So, yeah, grief... That's quite common if you haven't been back there, you haven't seen all the places that are going to make you yeah. think about the cat. So when you go back, you probably will have a little moment. But also, if the cat didn't like you, it is easier to you yeah, know, to process feel. that. <laughs> um, especially because my husband just rang me. I'd literally just got off the tube and oh. he said, oh, by the way, the vet just called, the cat's dead. Oh, I was like, no, oh, God, I'm like, at Westminster Tube Station, quasi quarteng walk past me. <laughs> and I'm hearing this this devastating yeah. news. So it was a bit like being hit, hit by a bus. I was like, what? Yeah, that's not How good did way that to break happen? it. He didn't break that very well. You no, know, he did not break that to me. He could have said, me. you know, sit down. Are yeah, you okay? Are you a good okay? time. It's quasi quite time walking past. <laughs> get him, get him. Tell him you need someone to get your cup of tea. Tell him that you'd like to also raise with him the massive inflation in the price of your mortgage. <laughs> and then we'll get on to the cat. Yep. So uh, this podcast is all about writing letters. Yes. Are you much of a letter writer or were you? I was, yes, because yeah. I am of the generation that... Yeah, you know, did used to use letters. So I've got like a big tin somewhere of like letters I sent to friends when I was at school and also like uni friends as well. When we first left uni, we were still writing to each other. Um, and I do occasionally still write a letter. I'm not someone who would like, oh, never. But I have the worst handwriting in the world. Oh, really? It's illegible to I me. Don't, I, don't be- I don't believe that it's oh, worse than my husband's. <laughs> my, honestly, it's so bad. And so I would love to write more letters. But do you have a friend who's got really... I've got a friend who's got really good handwriting. Oh, my Beautiful. God. Well, I am a person who receives letters from all over oh, the country. And I have, I have some letters yeah. that are actual works of art. Yes. And the contents of them is absolutely crackers I would write you a nice letter but you wouldn't be able to read it and I get so sad that my writing is so terrible so I'm someone who if I had nice handwriting I'd I'd write more letters but often if I go to write I do think I've got to put in an email because they can't read it yeah so if I've had to write formal letters I've had honestly I'm someone who has to practice I have to do like three goes of the formal letter and I have to write up my computer first so I can like look at the because my handwriting is just appalling and I I do blame Thatcher (laughs) you blame Thatcher I didn't I swear to god I was not taught handwriting I was not taught times tables I think that's all I was taught under Thatcher I blame her for uh, for the first time the other day I was at the old Bailey I wasn't on trial Um, they only deal with murder and terrorism there my crimes are far far lesser (laughs) Um, I was at the old Bailey and somebody I asked someone for a pen uh, to make notes and um, they handed me a fountain pen. I think it was oh, the first time since 1988 nice. that I've written with a fountain pen. Lush, I and didn't it, like writing it. Yeah. Amazingly, like my handwriting became beautiful again. Oh, you need the right pen. I yeah. need the right pen. That I need... is a key. Is I used to have a really good fountain pen for for yeah handwriting, and then it ran out of cartridges. And where do you get cartridges from? I mean, you like... used to just buy them from W. Smith yes. in big packets, didn't you, with a yeah. little ball? Yeah. And then you, when they were empty, you you'd try and ball. get the little ball out yeah. at school. Yeah, get the compass cut. Oh, open. my kids are—they're not. <laughs> not experiencing any of this on the letter front yes. uh, I actually received a letter from the king and queen during, over Christmas congratulations um, I, it's it's not my, the first time it <laughs> happens quite regularly but they sent me a Christmas card oh, nice. which I am here to tell you arrived on the 30th of November wow. the royals cannot rely on the royal mail <laughs> 
I also like that there's someone in the office who was so worried about strikes. They're like, let's send early September. Yep, se- I'm yeah. saying September. <laughs> and other people in the office being like, is that weird? <laughs> no, it's going to be a strike. You'll probably get there 12th of December. No, got there too early. So it's uh, interesting times. <laughs> so you've got letters that you've kept. Have I you do. got any like letters from anybody famous or like uh, le- letters of note? No, I don't have any famous, but I do have a letter. So the reason I do the podcast, Griefcast, is my dad died when I was 15. Uh-huh. And I have a letter from him. Ah, right, and that's okay. something that I, is like the one letter I've sort of kept, <laughs> which he wrote when I was actually 14, very weirdly wrote me a letter completely apropos of nothing, just saying like that I, it's almost like he, he if he, if he knew he was dying, it's a letter he should have written, but he didn't. So it's that kind of letter. Oh it's like, gosh. I just want to say, I love you and I'm proud of you and whatever and you do. he didn't know he was dying? No, just wrote it. For, he was on a holiday, not a holiday, he was working in Paris. And he used to sometimes send us postcards or letters. Yeah. And that time in Paris, he sent each of us, me, my brother, my mum, a personalised letter saying, you know, like, I just want to let you know how important you are. And he had no idea at all because it was like the year before he was diagnosed. I mean, I started doing this because I was frightened that I would die suddenly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was frightened that I would die suddenly. And so I wrote those letters to yeah, my... Yeah. But I mean, that was more the opposite. It was like, like I felt certain that I knew I was yeah. going to <laughs> yeah. die. Like well, when maybe we were... he had that thought in his head, I don't know. Because it, it, it reads like a letter from someone who knows, but he didn't know, no. And so that letter is very important to me, obviously, because it's still... Yeah. And because it, when he was dying, he was... <laughs> He was a bit crap. Like he did, <laughs> no offence. He had his reasons, but he didn't want to talk and he didn't want to talk about his death. Hence why I do a podcast about it. Um, and so I am very attached to that letter because it's like, oh, it actually is almost like we managed a conversation, even though we didn't at yeah. the time. So, I had yeah. the exact opposite uh, experience in that my mum died when I was 29 and uh, she wrote an entire blog uh, charting wow. the she was the whole there. Yeah, yeah. Um, experience of oh, what wow. it was like to be dying. Wow. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm eternally grateful for yeah, that. Um, yeah. That I have like three years worth of oh, that's stuff amazing. That she yeah. wrote down about what it felt like to be dying. So, and we 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 talked of precious little else. I seem yeah. to, although I mean, I had a baby in that period. We definitely, we did stop talking yeah, about her dying yeah. to briefly discuss the baby. Yeah, well, he was, he had pancreatic cancer, my dad. Oh, that's just curtains really quickly, yeah, isn't it? it is really shit. As I, mm. I joke, and I always get told off for it, but like, it's the worst. It's the worst one. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's no. It's the one the worst. If, it's the one if someone had told me yeah. that's what you've got, then yeah. a friend of mine's mum just recently died of pancreatic cancer and she lived for like three years with it and that is that's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Like every time I saw I kept being like, oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, here we go. If this someone tells me, yeah, it's pancreatic, I'm like, Ooh. yeah. So he got diagnosed in February of 1998 and was dead by the April. So there was no time, really. And I was 15 as well. So there was no time to kind of have that conversation or work it out or be like, oh, how do you feel about it? It was all so sudden. But yeah, it is It is a pretty shit one to it get. It is. It's a They're totally all shit because I always get letters do complaining. You? Oh, uh, well, my cancer's bad. I'm not saying your cancer isn't bad, but pancreatic because it is symptomless almost. It is symptomless and there's just yeah. like no bloody hope is there? yeah. there's like there's very little research there's, there's very, very little well, there's amazing charity PC UK yeah. Pancreatic Cancer UK who are doing lots of work into research and t- trying to develop a test and trying to educate GPs because it, it does actually have these symptoms which are almost similar to bowel cancer but can but like lots of people don't then test for pancreatic yeah. cancer so there are there's lots of hope for the future and definitely compared to when my dad had it when it was like yeah no research nothing going on so my, yeah. my dad has leukemia and I can tell you now right 
that pancreatic cancer is worse yeah. than what my dad has got. <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you now, because my dad has had that since I was 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember because I think her name was Beth. Yeah, Beth was dying of leukaemia on Home and Away at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was... Uh, oh, God. She went out with... What's his name? He was he was Karen's sister. Anyway, <laughs> just fell down a home and away hole. Um, and so I was convinced that my dad was going to slip Blake. That was his name. Blake, um, yeah, I, I was convinced that my dad was going to slip away yeah, on the yeah. beach in Blake's arms immediately uh, <laughs> because she had leukaemia. Yeah. And that was now 31 years wow, ago. Wow, that's so, amazing. Yeah, wow. and he, he said to me at the time, by the time it gets bad for me, they'll have come up with something. <laughs> and they did. Wow. They came up with something. God, good well foresight. to... Uh, all the blood cancer researchers yeah, in the yeah, world. Yeah, well done. So yeah. um, I understand that there are other people who have blood cancer who suffer yes. terribly, etc. Yes. However, yeah, however, your dad's cancer. If, if we were to have a war between my dad's cancer <laughs> and your dad's cancer, well, in the, in you, our particular are, cases. you are going to win, and yeah. by default, I win. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's pancreatic is it's a it's tough rough. gig. Yeah, so I've kept that letter. And it's quite nice because I found it much later. Like, I'd forgotten about it. And then I was sort of moving stuff. It must have been when I was moving stuff at my mum's house. And I was like, oh, what's this? And then I was like, oh, wow, that's exactly the letter I would like to have that I don't have. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Good, good work. Well so, done, yeah, Dad. That's the one I've definitely... Yeah, kept, but I don't, yeah, I don't have any famous people. You don't have, I mean, no. Lorraine Kelly had one from Tony Blair talking about dog poo. So I know. You know. Well, I listened to <laughs> Jess Foster, who had a, her D-Ream fan club. Oh, yeah. Which, having known Jess for a long time, I had no idea. So I have asked you to think about three people you would mm. want to write a letter to. Um, and uh, we start with the person who means the world to you, obviously with the caveat that you it doesn't have to mean that you hate everybody else. You don't <laughs> hate your children if you don't pick them. No, yeah, I know I felt bad because I know just picked a child and I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. But I have two, so then it's more awkward, yeah. isn't it? Um, I I'm, wouldn't pick either of mine. <laughs> I'm going to be cheeky, actually. I'm going to choose two friends. Okay, you can pick two friends. It's a bit cheeky, isn't it? Because they're in the same, as in, like, we're in a gang. So then I thought, oh, I can't pick one. It's like awkward. Like Sharks and Jets sort of gang? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. We, we <laughs> go to the, the streets, streets doing clicks and high kicks and <laughs> people are afraid of us from the 50s. Um, no, it's my two university friends called Sarah and Vanessa who have just... I still in my head think of them almost as my new new friends because they're uni friends you know you're like oh you're my new friends and then the other day we had Isn't to realize they like school years yeah yeah i've got a friend who's literally like 30 days older than me yeah. but she's a year older she's than year me. above yeah she's year above. year above yeah me and sarah always say this about people if we're talking about someone and we if we're not keen on them we'll go i think they're year below <laughs> i think they're year below that explains it they just got a different vibe they've got a different vibe so yeah sarah and vanessa i met at sussex university who yeah have just been my very good friends for such a long time and you know when you sort of you're getting to the point where like we all turned 40 last year and you're starting to realize oh these people in my life like 20 years mm. like this is this isn't like oh my uni mates like you're like you've, you've moved past this now and and they're still here and they're still a part of my life and they're two of the most <laughs> unusual bizarre brilliant women I've ever met and um I just, I feel so grateful like, that they're still in my life and that the randomness of meeting people at university. Oh, so it's, it's totally random. It's, so it's random. just like some, some 
I don't know, pencil pusher puts you in a block with them. Well, we didn't, we met doing a play because we're all like (laughs) drama fans. We wanted to be actors and we met doing a terrible play. No offence to everyone in that play, but it was very bad. Um, We did a version of Our Country's Good, which we nicknamed Our Country's Bad because we were very funny. And um, (laughs) it was really, really terrible. No offence to people listening who probably... Look, the directors, you were young and you did your best, but it wasn't a great production. And um, it's really weird because I ended up at Sussex completely randomly and so did Sarah and so did Vanessa. Like, you know, and it's like, I was supposed to stay in London. I I wanted to stay at home because my dad had died and I didn't want to leave my mum and I applied to um, KCL and I didn't get in, I didn't get the grades. And I remember lying to KCL on this phone call being like, oh, I've got them to try and get through to someone. Because if you didn't have the grades, they wouldn't even let you pass the phone on. So I eventually got through to the English department. They were like, you didn't get them. You can't, you can't come here. And I sort of sat there and I was like, oh, what am I going to do with my life? And about two days later, I was watching Neighbours at my mum's house. Oh, it's often Australian. Yeah, I was, yeah, that. yeah. I was more of a Neighbours girl than the home way. And the phone rang and it was someone from Sussex Uni and they said, are you coming? And I said, oh, I didn't get the grades. They went, no, it's fine because she had an interview and we, we still want you. I said, well, I think I'll have a year off. And they went, all right, we'll call you in September. Have a nice time. <laughs> and so it was completely like, and I put the phone down and said, oh, mom, I'm going to Sussex, but next year. <laughs> she was like, okay. So it's completely random. And Sarah and V had the similar, like, Sarah was work. I should caveat this. Sarah is Sarah Pascoe of uh-huh. stand-up fame. Um, but I wanted to talk about her as my friend rather than like people be like, oh, the stand-up. But she was working in a hotel with like Robbie Williams' dad singing songs. And oh God, I remember when Robbie Williams' dad was a thing. Yeah, I've forgotten yeah. about that. Yeah. That entirely. Yeah. So then she like applied for Cleary and got it. So like just completely random that we all found each other and we found in that friendship with we're very very similar mad creative women and it was like you know when you meet people who talk as much as you do jump around as much as you do love acting as you know comedy and all that stuff as much as you and you can just relax he's like oh, I can actually be my true authentic annoying self and you're not gonna mm-hmm. hold it against me yeah you can um, only really be really annoying in front of your yes, actual friends. yeah your actual friends and we've been through so much the three of us and to still be friends with these people and still have the ability to... So when it, when you asked me about celebrating, I was like, you know, obviously there's other people I want to celebrate, but I was like, oh, I just want to celebrate that long-term friendship where you have really seen the worst of people. <laughs> you've really, yeah. you've had the rows. You've like fallen out. You've said to them, I'm never going to speak to that person again. No, no, it's over. And then you've, of course, they text you and you're like, oh, you're right. <laughs> it's like no, that I'm, joy of long friendship. Yeah, I very rarely have like... It's gone on longer than just somebody texting and being like, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we sometimes have a sorry. few weeks Make of grumpiness. Like I'm always the victim. <laughs> Not at all. Sometimes yeah. definitely the perpetrator. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to celebrate, like, proper long-term female friendships where it's just, like, they have seen you at your absolute worst. I think that one of the saddest things about, um, you know, the sort of the, the, the world of drama and... Um, I don't know, telly and all that, is that I don't think that female friendships are written about very well. Yeah, it's changing. I think it it is getting better. Yeah. But it doesn't leave, I don't know, the sense sense of romantic love that you can get across on screen or on the page. I just, I rarely see really brilliant 
portrayals that are realistic, like how yeah. people actually are. Well, a female friendship. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's changing, definitely. I think what we grew up with that just didn't exist. I don't know if you've seen a show called, um, I can't say this word because of my terrible speech, Broad City. Broad City um, is a comedy show with these two comics, uh, Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson. And it's like, it was the first time I saw a comedy show about two women that reflected my experience mm. of just like, they were complete idiots to each other, and but also loved each other, but were also sometimes thoughtless, and and it was written by them. And that's the yeah. thing is, like a lot of comedy wasn't written, written by, by women. women. Yeah, I mean so, that's true. You know, and I think Dolly Alderton's show, Everything I Know About Love, and Lena oh, Dunham. Oh yeah, I watched some of that. Yeah, yeah, I, I know some of that. Lena Dunham's Girls, obviously very skewed point of view um yeah i see i i had to i had to watch all of that like oh, yeah. to write an article about it i've <laughs> never seen it but somebody but the person who asked me obviously assumed she's the kind of woman who's watched that <laughs> literally never even heard of it uh and so but then i got completely hooked on it yeah uh, i fundamentally hated every single character yeah, it yeah, was yeah. the only trouble but then i do hate most of my friends as well <laughs> they are they I, are fundamentally flawed characters yeah. Yeah, that sisterly, um, over-emotional, over-connected, like, neediness, but also, like, fills you up with so much joy and support and the people you just can turn to when you're like, oh, bleh, bleh, this happened. And they said this and then and they just go, yeah, 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 yeah. What did you do? <laughs> you're yeah. like, well, I told everyone to fuck off and I probably shouldn't have done that. And <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, I just think, I think it is getting better. I think the generations below us will have much more examples of like yeah. joyful female it's friendship. Just, like, I mean, I really loved Sex in the City for that. Oh, yes, uh, When true, I true. was um, a kid. But when I re-watch it, the way that they converse with each other isn't necessarily how women actually converse yeah, with each yeah. other. I think there is the, like, it, you know, nobody waits for... I know it's hard when you're writing a script, but nobody waits for somebody else to speak amongst my friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they like, don't slag each other off behind their backs enough. Yeah, that's true. Like, me yeah, and my yeah. friends, <laughs> like, we love each other very dearly. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as one thing happens, like, and yeah. everyone will give their... Their opinion. Completely heartfelt and honest yeah, opinion yeah. to that person's face. But they'll give a completely different one behind <laughs> their back, which is also honest and heartfelt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we slag it... I mean, anyone who says, I don't slag people off on their oh, back no. it's lying of course yeah of course you do course and I also think like me and, me and Sarah always kind of justify it like that's how you work out your position in the world sometimes it's by criticising other people and being like well I wouldn't do that why wouldn't I do that what we've done is elevate bitching yeah <laughs> we've elevated it gossiping to a higher form but yeah of course you do me and my two friends have one whatsapp group that is just just entirely to be like <laughs> eye roll emoji at, at like various different yeah, things yeah yeah um, that we see on people's Instagrams. Um, but it, yeah, it, that is a total joy. Mm, a total. It's, it's when you lovely. see something, you think, oh my God, I can't wait to share I this. cannot wait. I cannot wait. You will not believe what's been put out today, guys. I gotta <laughs> tell you. And to just have people who just get it, because it's like you've all watched the same show. That's all it is. It's the yeah. same as you have when you're like, oh, did you see that episode? Oh my God. It's like, we've been watching this show since two, yeah. the year 2000 together. Yeah. So you know what references I'm talking to or like the time that this happened, the time that, that happened. So yeah, the glory of a proper female friendship. Yeah, where you can start in the middle of the conversation don't oh have my to God, yeah. put in the context is really because it's so tiring who's yeah got the it time is who's got that? the time I know oh, I know my husband was um like born like two streets away from me we've known each other since we were 12 we're oh, basically wow. the same age <laughs> and so we don't really need to converse anymore Do you know what I mean yeah. like at the point where 
And I think that we're like when you play games uh, where they put you on teams yeah, and you yeah. have to be. I, oh, yeah. I just think that's totally deeply unfair for me and Tom to yeah. to be on the same team as each other because I can just literally be like, remember that time? And he'll go <laughs> and he'll say bananas. <laughs> Uh, I love that. I yeah, love that. We have exactly the same yeah. culture, which is, you know, quite dull for my children, I should imagine, <laughs> because they've all got like, you know, they've all got friends who's like, you know, got Iranian fathers or people from the Ukraine and stuff. And uh, it's just me and Tom. Two streets of Birmingham. And this we is still your, live there. This is your who do you think you are? Yes. Yeah. Four roads. Basically. It would literally go like as far as the Tisley tip. <laughs> We're quite boring, really. Um, but content, yeah. content. 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 That, that sort of yeah. shared culture is really important. It's lovely. I think. It's very connecting. It makes yeah. you feel very grounded especially when the world is terrifying and scary and to have people go oh do you remember that terrible play we saw that we wanted to walk out of but we were laughing so much it's just like a joy just to be like yes I do do you remember when the man got naked for no reason in the play and so we laughed yes and they told us off also yes, you do. just tell the same story over yeah, and over yeah, again yeah, yeah, don't yeah, you yeah. just tell the same I mean me and my friends just literally tell the same story yeah, yeah. over and over again never gets old <laughs> never, never gets old, old never gets old it's nice the best um, so how would you sign off a letter to Sarah and Vanessa. <laughs> Sarah and V. Um, oh, I, I, don't, I always don't know how to exp- express what I feel for, you know what I mean? But it would probably be, thank you so much for every single fucking thing that you've given me and every single joy and every single pain and anger and love because it, it's the most real relationship that I've had. It is the most real no one will tell you to shut the fuck up like your mates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my friends just stop me and they're like, this is very boring what you're saying. <laughs> stop now. And we're like, I'm like, oh, no. oh okay, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the second letter I asked you to think about is for somebody who is no longer with us. So who would that person be? Well, yeah, I mean, I almost didn't want to choose him because I've just written a book about him. So I'm like, God, he's getting so much attention. But it probably <laughs> should be my dad. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, so, yeah. As what I was said, your dad's name? Peter. 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 So, yeah, he died, yeah, 20 plus years ago. So I stopped counting over 20 because I couldn't, couldn't be yeah. asked to keep counting it. Um and yeah, I was 15 and it was very quick and very sudden as, as we've discussed. And then in 2016, I started the Griefcast podcast. And at the same time, I became pregnant with my first child and I started therapy. So it was a big year me for yeah. me, mental health wise. And it made me realise I hadn't really dealt with a lot of everything that happened to me, which is very common for what I call the TGC, Teenage Grief Club. So if you lose a parent at a young age, you tend to... Spend your teenage years having no idea what just happened to you. <laughs> your 20s making lots of mistakes. And nothing to do with that, actually. It's not even a big deal. It's just a thing that happened. I don't want to talk about it. And then you get to 30 and you're like, oh, I think that's quite important. I think I might yeah. need to deal with it. So when I started the grief cast, I started talking about him publicly. Before that, I was a comedian. I never, you know, didn't, didn't talk about it at all. I was a character comedian. So it was like not... Carrie, I did not appear at all in my, in my live stuff. And... Um, yeah, so I would probably write a letter to him. Although I guess the book I've just written kind of is a, le- a, letter a whole to him. letter to him. Yeah, I didn't just write a letter, Jess. I wrote a whole book. Oh, so I, mean, I seventy thousand words. I win on prizes for best child, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't read anything to my mum. Oh, sorry, mum. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, You're right. She wrote right. you a blog. You'd had the conversation. She, yeah, we we chatted about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean. Feels like you've like sort of dedicated quite a lot of your adult life yeah. to the memory of your father. That's that makes it seem like you're a Highlander. <laughs> 
you know what I mean? I was watching Conan my the Barbarian. Inigo Montoya. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was watching Conan the Barbarian the other day with my uh, kid, and there's a moment where uh, what's his name, Darth Vader. It's not Darth Vader. No, he's not, not in Vader. Conan yeah, the Barbarian, yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean. The man, um, James L. Jones. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, he chops off the head of Conan's mother uh, while he's a child, and my son just said to me, "I mean, why would you leave the kid behind? That kid's <laughs> obviously going to go and avenge." Like you know, pancreatic cancer chopped the head off my father and left me. <laughs> and so I just like, yeah. And I think what's interesting, and I guess what's worth talking about, is um, we didn't have a good relationship. Oh, right. So often when I do the podcast, people assume, oh, they got on quite well. It's yeah. like a daddy's girl thing, and like she's never really recovered. And I think if that was the case, I wouldn't need to do a podcast and I wouldn't need to write a book because it'd be like, well, I know he loved me, I loved him. It's very simple. Oh, I think that's Dump. much harder, isn't it? Like that's maybe why I haven't because yeah, I had yeah, a yeah, good, really yeah. good relationship you, with my mother. And when I've talked to people, I've said Griefcast, we've nearly on two hundred episodes. So the people who have uh, good relationships as in good communication and they both know they the relationship is very solid and very stable they grieve they obviously grieve yeah. but they there's it's like it's like there's all these layers of grief and when you have a complicated relationship you have to get through those first before you get to just grieving so you have to sort out all the mess that was left behind and then you get oh here's just the, I'm sad that you're gone also I think that you practice <clears throat> grief with people that you love and have a good relationship yeah with. that's true on a long car journey I practice grieving my husband isn't that <laughs> weird <laughs> No, I mean, I do a show about grief, so it's not yeah. weird. <laughs> Is that You're weird? talking to the right person. I, no, I, no. I practice grieving yeah, yeah. for the people that I never, I never, ever practice grieving for my children from the yeah, yeah. But I do practice it for, like, my friends. Yeah. And, uh, like, I sort of, like, go over the songs that I'd listen to. I listen yeah, to them yeah. in the car. Oh, nice, And I think good. about how yeah. sad I would feel and what I would say at their funeral and things like that. I think that's pretty healthy because what you're doing is acknowledging... I have a lot of long, boring car journeys. You've got a lot of boring journeys. You can't always listen to a podcast. And no. you're acknowledging those feelings that you have for them and you're allowing them to be present and you're not... What a lot of people do is, like, don't think about it, don't think about death put it in the cupboard it's never ever going to yeah. happen and then of course when it happens it's so shocking and I think for me because that happened to me when I was so young you would never have had the time well, to you, practice you know you're when you're a teenager your parents are I describe in the book like they're like the old sofa they're just there there's no point yeah. commenting on it you never say I love this sofa it's great you're like it's there I sit on it it's great what what more do you want and um, and then when like someone takes your sofa away you're like well I I did like that sofa actually it's quite it was comfy I felt you know I felt at ease with it so yeah we had a very complicated difficult relationship and because I was 15 we hadn't finished it and I'm sure you can appreciate mm. this with yeah. teenage children yeah. we were right in the middle of like the real peak of like not getting on I was going to say classic 15 yeah I'm classic afraid. 15 it's a terrible year my brother was 19 so they had just come through a much worse relationship actually they really really fought and, but they just got to the point where he was 19 and he'd left school and they'd get a job and it was like okay we can meet each other as adults whereas I was like literally opening the door to like right here we go here's the shit relationship mm. I'm ready I'm ready to fight you on everything and when someone dies that point as I say in the book, it's like it's mid conversation. So you're left with this, like all this, like, oh, but I didn't, wh like, yeah. what do I do with all this emotion that I was ready to, like, chuck in your face? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was, like, ready to throw everything at you and you're gone. So I've got no one to throw it at and I've just got to carry it. Um, and I was furious for, for years and years and years, absolutely furious. And then when the show came about, it really was. And a need to process, a need to kind of talk about him in a way with other people who equally 
had complicated relationships or wanted to talk about the reality of grief, didn't want to say, oh, yes, it's very sad and we've moved on. We're like, no, it's shit and it's awful. Yeah. And, and I still pissed off about this. And I, I'm so angry they died. And the mess of it, and that's what I tried to put in the book as well, of just like the mess, the actual chaos and mess that, that grief actually is. I a- felt just really jealous of people. Oh, uh, yeah, terrible, yeah. terrible. My, my brother, he's 10 years <laughs> older than me, and I oh, just thought... got 10 more years. Yeah, yeah, you got 10 more years, you bastard. Yeah, like, yeah. it's fine for your mum to die at 40. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when, when I was a kid, yeah, yeah. people didn't keep their parents past no, 40. Yeah, like, yeah. nowadays, you know, with the old ageing population and everyone having their children when they're in their 50s, um, that, that happens much more yeah, regularly. Yeah. But then, like, you know, my parents both lost their parents, uh, you know, around, the, you know, in their 40s, maybe yeah. early 50s at a push. Um, and so I just felt like, well, that's just... Uh, Unfair. It's t- and it was t- that's totally irrational. Because no, I had two so kids common. when my mum died, yeah, yeah. and she knew my kids, whereas he didn't have yeah. any. And, like, but that's the thing. There's always something. That's there what I say. Something. There's always something. Like yeah. what we say in the on the grief class, like it's okay to feel angry about it. And and you know, I, I did a Q and A the other day, and someone was like, "Oh, my mum had just, her mum had just passed away, and she was like fifty something." And she was like, "When I see anyone complaining about mums who died." Plus, you know, they're like 60. She's oh, like, yeah, I want to smack totally them on the like head. That. I'm totally like that. And I said to her, like, but you're not alone. Like, that's what we yeah. all do. My dad was 44. Yeah. So if somebody says to me, oh, my dad died and he was 90, my immediate thought is, oh, was he 90? Look at you. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's sad. And then I've learned to go, well, grief is grief. And of course, if you're sad, that's absolutely fine. Like, but that took me doing the show and interviewing that many people and seeing their pain and being like, oh, I see. No one wins. Like, yeah. even if you get them for longer, you get them for longer, but then you have to see them deteriorate or you have to like look after them the frisson between the sudden or the long yeah Yeah, and uh, I have interviewed people who've literally gone oh I wish I wish they'd had a terminal illness I got a call in the night and as someone who's the terminal illness club I'm like it's not great (laughs) you know there's call in the night versus watching someone really really suffer and nobody's winning nobody's winning it feels like the outcome is exactly the same my husband's mother um, died last March just suddenly had a heart attack we saw her in the morning she was absolutely fine she was dead by the end of the day my mum took three and a half years yeah, of yeah. slow deterioration it's, it's shit all round it's really. shit all round <laughs> it's shit all round and that's the thing is I think we once we can admit oh I've got the feelings of jealousy and then you can see them for their like the illogical nature of them and you can go oh okay well actually nobody's winning so now I can just get on with the grief rather than yeah. feeling guilty about the oh I feel you know I'm jealous so oh, that's guilty so I'm not going to feel it so I'm going to put it away and then you don't get to your grief rather than just like being like here's the mess that's how you feel be yeah. honest about it and then when you're honest about it and you see everyone you can go oh we all feel like that right great that's done now I can look at I miss them and I'm just really sad you can just get to that bit I definitely got my bitterness about it from my mum who was not a particularly bitter person but I remember while she was dying we were in the lift in Selfridges in Birmingham and um, two women about my mum's age and with her daughter who was a woman about my age got in and they were very like you know well turned out which already would have been grist to my mother's mill um <laughs> but um and and we were like and we got in the lift and we're like oh hello like sort of just like being friendly and smiling yeah, yeah. and they literally were both stony faced and didn't even talk to each <laughs> other and as they walked out of the lift on a different floor my mum very audibly said it's just not fair that i'm gonna die and she's not <laughs> good for her yeah it's <laughs> just like that everybody you just feel like oh, i'm gonna be missing from the world more yeah. than this woman so many guests have said that like you know when you see I've interviewed people who are famous like actors, parents, and they'll be like, you know, 
example of Rosa Hoskins, Bob mm. Hoskins' daughter, and she was like, you see the people they worked with on the front cover of a magazine mm. being like, oh, 70 and still here and all this. And you start thinking, well, how come they didn't get to continue their yeah. work and their art? Like, So you, these are such normal feelings to have. And it... And, you're right your mum's right it's shit it's yeah. shit that good people die yeah you know, and sometimes arseholes live on like it's oh, unbelievable but that how again, is andrew tate still here and my <laughs> mom isn't exactly but that's what comes down to death is something that happens to us and we have no control over it and that's actually what most of grief is about is like oh i'm very i'm a vulnerable human we're all humans we all have no say when this thing will happen to us but it will happen to all of us it's absolutely guaranteed you know not everyone goes to university not everyone gets a mortgage not everyone has social media yeah. but everybody is going to die at some point yeah. no one's gonna like buy their way out of it even though they think they might oh, be some people to. think they might they don't think they, they might but I so, th- who would want to I know, oh, exactly. what a horrible idea that's worse for me than, than death <laughs> your dead frozen head joining in at shit yeah. Christmas dinner so like, oh great <laughs> you can't eat anything because I haven't worked out how to keep your stomach alive but <laughs> you're here you're here to complain I'm a bit cold actually <laughs> can we not get out great grandma please yeah. I mean, leave her in the fridge she's so annoying your dad I suppose is giving a gift to you know the world talking <laughs> about grief yeah I don't think he ever would have expected it, especially it's the irony being he absolutely didn't talk about his death didn't want to was absolutely in denial was like no I'm not dying it's not happening even as he was <laughs> in the cancer ward so I think he'd be very um surprised that that legacy had had happened but also very pleased that we were all talking about him yeah yeah, yeah he'd like yeah. that he'd what did he do for a living oh this is the like something businessy when I got married I had to say what his occupation was which yeah, yeah, completely yeah. blew me away you know we only just recently changed oh, the law God, to say that, that women that your mum yeah, would go on it as because, well because um I was in the registry office and I said to my brother, I was like, Tom, what did he do? And he went, oh, I don't know, mum, what did he do? She went, put business. And I was like, but what? It's like marketing, PR, that sort of He's thing. He's a businessman. A businessman. But literally three of us couldn't tell you. And I thought, well, that's embarrassing, isn't it? That I thought my mum would be able to back really it up. I don't know what my husband does. I, I assume he's a spy. Yeah, he definitely wasn't a spy. He had a small office at home and business happened there. He had a fax machine. Oh, okay. that's 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 absolutely the yeah. trappings of business. Business. And he wore a suit and he had a. He was on the internet before most people. Business. Business. Yeah. Got a conference in Birmingham. Yeah. What's it for? I don't know. But it's, business. He's got a business conference. Yeah. It's, it's business. He had business cards. <laughs> that's my other recollection. There were lots and lots of business cards around. And I had to answer the phone and say the name of the company. Hello, PLPR. When I was like... 12 and I had to take messages and pretend to be his secretary he trained me to say don't say you're my daughter just pretend you're the secretary this is how you do it take the message (laughs) I was like okay unpaid completely unpaid labour oh well I mean that smart really (laughs) my children don't know they're born we used to do unpaid labour I mean, my parents yeah. worked in the public sector and still somehow we managed to do uh, <laughs> unpaid labour in yeah. their offices. Yeah. I feel like there'd be regulations about that these days. I think these days you wouldn't get away yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my mum's person's stationary. <laughs> <laughs> we loved it. We loved, loved it. it. Who doesn't love stationery? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Max Pack's uh, chicken soup. Oh, <laughs> nice. From, yeah, the, yeah. from the vending machine yeah. in the hospital. Um, so how would you sign off a letter to your dad you must I mean you've written a whole book I've written a whole book but yeah I would probably say thank you for embarrassing me always answering my questions explaining a lot of things and generally being a bit of a mad person who was nice to have around most of the time (laughs) it must be weird not to I don't know, yeah, like you don't get to finish the relationship. Yeah, yeah that is shit. I, do, I, you know, I was an adult with two children yeah, when my yeah. mum died 
that's the biggest thing with with young grievers is that yeah. you you don't finish it, but you you have to. The thing is, you have to do it yourself. Yeah, and that's what's hard is you sort of you keep waiting for them to come so back. You might not finish if they stay alive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah, might not. Yeah. We'll be back for the final letter after a short break. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So the final uh, letter we asked you to think about was to somebody who doesn't know what effect they've had on your life. So who would that be? Um, that would be, <laughs> I feel embarrassed because it's a bit cringy, but that would be Mr. David Bowie. Oh, David Bowie. David Bowie. Oh, gosh, the debate rages about David Bowie in my house. Yes, oh, really? Yeah. What's the debate? Well, my children love him. I love, we yeah. all love, we all sure. love him. There's no debate. There's no debate. But um, because my children are of the generation that they are, yeah. they have to think, they have to be certain that almost everybody from the past is problematic in oh, some Oh, well, way. he, he definitely is a bit yeah. problematic. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is, which is harder for the younger and so generation. The debate really is uh, that we would just sometimes like to listen to David Bowie's music without that being mentioned. <laughs> That's the raging debate. You know, like it is. I. I mean, I love sixties and seventies music. Like that's my dad mm. was a DJ mm. before he got into business. Into business. So um, his business life. So we had a lot of vinyl. He was really into music, and and I inherited David Bowie from him. Mm-hmm. Um, David didn't know, and. Um, <laughs> They're, I mean, you literally can't listen. I mean, all you're left with if you you take out problematic is Joni Mitchell, and I love Joni. I yeah. love Joni, but there's times you need a break from Joni. Yeah. <laughs> and so, if you like any past music, and that's not to say that we can't talk about them or be be critical of them in that way, I think it's really helpful. But yeah, David, if you kicking David on that list, you're kicking Bob Dylan on that list. You're kicking, oh, I'm kicking the Stones. Bob Dylan, and, oh, you're kicking him. Yeah, okay. I'm kicking him. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm fine with David. You're fine with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with David. There's so uh, many Bob though, Dylan. isn't there? There's so many. But oh, yeah, yeah, it is tricky. And again, it's not to say it's not worth a conversation. And yeah. yeah, no, no. But I would like to have a conversation with my children where they don't constantly point out like some some obscure thing that they've read about them on the internet. But you know, this is it though, isn't it? It's like that. There's very good memes on the internet, like Reductress, where it's like someone devastatingly tells you about something they from an article they read on the internet and you're like well have what 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 else have you done about this yeah, <laughs> like what yeah. else have you found out well i read one article and i read they did a thing so i don't need any more information i'm done <laughs> like, yeah. that's especially it. when i'm being lectured by middle yeah. class boys yeah about uh things to do with uh sexual violence having dedicated my entire life to try yes. to improve it i am a bit like oh really 
Get yeah. yourself on that pedestal. Yeah, oh, I feel like you... You're right. Yeah, you're allowed to... If you're like, I'm allowed I'm to... Allowed to like, yeah. I'm listening for the music. I'm not judging. I'm not thinking anything else. I'm just getting my music here because my job is very traumatic. Yeah. And so I need this music here. And yeah, he's problematic, but he's given me the music. So I'm just yeah. taking the music. Yeah, I feel, oh, maybe maybe I'll be cancelled for choosing David Berry. No, you won't. <laughs> you definitely won't be cancelled for choosing David Berry by anyone but my son, who okay. actually loves David Berry. Actually Berry, loves but him, just I know. Lo- loves to mention that... Well, it was a shock. I had the same thing as a massive Barry fan had been for years. And then when when everyone started like admitting the past mm-hmm. and being like, oh, yeah, it was awful. And then when I found out he was also in the gang, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, I just thought that he was sort of androgynous. And you're like, no, constant orgies at the house with tea. And you're like, oh, how... How many? Is it what? What are we talking here? Yeah. <laughs> if it's one you like, isn't it? You start thinking, well, what, what, what are we saying? Like, what, what did they do? So yeah, he is problematic. But the reason that I love David Bowie quite so much is related to my dad. And um, there's a common, quite common thing that happens if you lose a parent young is you find a sort of replacement parent uh-huh. in the in the public eye. Oh really? I, I've spoken to a lot of people about this. So a brilliant writer, Marco Sullivan. His dad was Irish, and so he, without knowing it, somehow replaced his dad with Terry Wogan. (laughs) That's a great choice. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. And when I interviewed him for Griefcast, he was saying, like, it's very... What you do is you sort of, like, when you see them, they remind you of your dad, and you start thinking, oh, yeah, like, that's... That's what they would have looked like. Judy That's Dench. what they were doing. Judy Dench. Yeah, see? It's quite common. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I see her, I think, oh, mom. Yeah. Because it's like, it's nice to have someone who you can kind of age with them. Yeah, she's that so much. Yeah, and you, and you, then you, you feel invested, like, I hope they're okay and I want them to be all right. And you see them doing I'm well. pleased when she's like walking you, amongst the trees. Yeah, you think, oh, that's good that she's doing yeah. well. And it's like someone to put that, like, I guess, that love and care in, in yeah. a person who's still alive. But Mark said, you know, that meant when Terry did pass away, he was in pieces, in pieces. And all his friends are going, are you right? It's just, it's just Terry. It's Terry, Terry so, he was like, like, you know, hadn't explained, oh, well, I've done this weird thing in my head. And his dad had died when he was um, 15, I think. So he was like, you know, obviously a grown man by this point. And people were like, Mark's really cut up about Terry Wogan. <laughs> and I met another girl the other day. She said, oh, I've done it with Daniel Craig. She was like, she was much younger than me. Oh, and she was gosh. like, Daniel Craig. And I thought, well, that's a good and interesting yeah. choice. <laughs> like, hot, hot Daniel Craig. Um, but I did it with David Bowie. And so the day when he died, my husband like knew I'd done this. So when David died... He had to come in and break it very gently. He was like, I've got some very bad news. I just want you to know, like, okay, are you ready? Did you know that he was ill? No, I mean, he'd done the song, hadn't he, the year before... The one that came out, oh, I can't remember, I'm so terrible with names. He'd done that, he'd released that album, which yeah. was amazing. Yeah. And then, and so... Black Star, was it? Black Star was the death one. Oh, there right. was the one before that. Oh, I've literally forgotten. Um, because Where are we now, I, I think? I say that because... When David Berry died, yeah. I woke up in the morning and I saw on my phone that David Berry had died. My son almost refused to go to school. Yeah. I turned to my husband in bed and I said, oh, my God, David Berry's died. He had cancer. I didn't even know he was yeah. unwell. And my husband said to me, that's almost certainly because you don't know David <laughs> Berry and you're not one of his <laughs> close friends or family. But, but for you... Him, <laughs> 
yeah, no, it I, will have been different. Yeah. And I was a bit like, all right. Yeah. I felt sad. And I, well, he, he released Black Star, didn't he, just before he died. And we'd been listening to it. I remember doing my tax return and listening to it over and over again. And I remember saying to my husband, he really listens to lyrics and I don't. I listen to melody. And I said, what do you think this album's about? And he was like, it's about death. That's all he's talking about. And I was like, oh, what do you think? <laughs> and then he died and he was like, I told you, the whole album was about death. So maybe that's also why I liked it. But um, yeah, I had, I had no idea like everybody else. But it's that thing of the fact that he released new music. Yeah. Like, because I like a lot of people who are dead. Like all that music, they can't, you can't go and see them. They're yeah. gone. And did so, you ever go and see him? No, oh, no. Dear, I was, oh, oh, sorry. I was, my mum met him once. Oh, really? That was, yeah, that was for you. Yeah. Maybe he is your dad. <laughs> well, yeah. I do think he is an extraordinary, like his voice. And I don't think you get many people like this. Although Adele, I think, is a, like a good modern comparison where it sounds like they're talking to you, and that is like that is like the level of how, you know, religions exist. Like, yeah, it's just yeah. like, you hear him, you're like, he's speaking to, he's telling me yeah. about this. He's not telling anyone else about this. He's talking to me. And I think, yeah, losing my dad so young and then him being, again, same generation as my dad, into the same things as my dad. My dad was quite wild in his youth. And yeah, so then when he would sing, I'd be like, oh, it's like I've still got that that presence there and I have a huge poster of him up still from the V&A exhibition which that for me when I went to the V&A one yeah. I, like, I couldn't leave my mum kept coming back being like we have to go and I was like in the room with all the music videos being like I can't leave him because then I'm leaving like my dad I want to stay in here she was like yeah this you know the security you're asking us to like. <laughs> and also I want to go to the shop come on let's go to the shop I mean that's the point of going that's to the museum. only point of going yeah. to <laughs> so yeah I've got a huge poster of him up still and I still just feel like he was just and also, you know, when he died, it was, as if people have pointed out, it was just before everything went to shit. It was. 2016, January the, what was it, ninth, the day after his birthday, the day before. And that moment, it was, it's very hard it not to go. It did feel like everything was going to shit. Well, that year, you yeah. know, that year was a real tough year. You, you know, you get Brexit and Trump and then everything that's happened since then. When I was elected in 2015 and my husband was like, did you break something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you like what go happened? into a weird crypt and break yeah. some sort of talisman? Yeah. And I'm like, I, I like the way that this is my, my fault. fault. Yeah, 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 this is, this that is spewing out is all my fault. Well, it can't help but feel like David was an alien angel and, and had enough and then without his presence we're not we we can't find each other that's what i can't <laughs> i can't help but make that jump you if he were here he'd just be like yeah i think you might be overthinking it no he wouldn't he'd be, <laughs> he'd, he'd be like that's right that's that's right, right carry on yeah yeah child of mine welcome and then he'd sing me a song and i'd cry so how would you sign off the letter to uh, oh david, david i would just oh, say david. dear dave dear david thank you so much i love you you're amazing and um wherever you've gone i i'll, I'll come and find you i'll see you <laughs> yeah I, well i don't know what mad heaven you're in but don't worry i'm gonna get i'm gonna get there definitely do you believe in heaven no, but I do believe in a fun afterlife with David Bowie. Yes, I <laughs> Why agree. not? If you can make it up, I'm going to believe I that. I agree. And there's yeah. no downside to believing yeah, in yeah, that, yeah. you know. Where's the, yeah. so, like his Father Christmas, he said to my kids, why, yeah, yeah. why take the risk, man? Yeah, yeah. It's all upside. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a zero-sum game. Yeah. The only one. If you believe in Father Christmas, you might get presents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. If I can believe there's a place where he's just playing a small intimate concert in Paris then I get to go to it and have my mum said seats. I hope that there isn't a heaven what if I don't know anybody there I can't oh. be bothered to make any new oh. <laughs> I was pretty tired at the time uh, that's she, very 
that's a good thought. Yeah, she was just like, well, oh, it's gosh. just me and all those people you hate. Oh, no. Or, or also yeah. just like, there's going to be lots of people there, aren't there? Yeah. Like, you're going to have to establish new relationships. Because, yeah, like, true. in the world, like, she might not just be near my nan. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, unless in heaven is just exactly like Birmingham <laughs> and my nan lives two streets away from where my mum lives in Birmingham there's a, heaven. There's a lot of people writing letters to the head of HR if heaven is just like Birmingham. They're but like, they're sorry, like, this is like, not why. <laughs> I was very religious for a long time. I did not sign up for it to be just, just like, like Birmingham. Birmingham. <laughs> um, but thank you very much, Cariad. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you click the follow button now on the app where you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. And I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. This has been an Audio Always original.